0: Fun podcast Network.
1: This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash ruby This is remote ruby. Have you any remote ideas to the meaning of the word? Hello, gents. Welcome back. Been, uh, what two weeks since we last recorded? Two weeks, yeah. I we haven't had a break like that for a little while. Yeah, it was,
0: I don't know, it was nice to be ahead head of the game. Yeah,
1: nice to have a really? break once in a while, too, though.
0: Yeah, I took off Thursday, Friday because I haven't done anything like break wise. So I was supposed to take like three trips in April and March, you know, they all got canceled, and then I was like, I should just take a couple of days off because it's June and I haven't taken any time off. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. It's like an easy trap to fall into. Of just sit at home and work now, now that you're stuck here and can't really travel like you used to be able to. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was I was telling my coworker Monday because he was like, how was break? And I was like, well, I'm supposed to tell you that it was awesome. But I set up my house and like my kids were wild, and I'm happy to be back at work. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not like you really get a break like you used to. It's just strange. Well, we're going to sell our house. So we moved, and I've been having an exhausting time of like setting up. You know, the the desk and computer and everything at the new place and and then trying to fix up our little things in our house like the deck and front door needed staining and whatever. So that in a weird way was it pulled me away from the computer for like a week, which was nice in a way. So it kind of felt like a break. But I also feel like I'm two weeks behind on work now, which is not exactly what you want when you come back from a break to feel overwhelmed with stuff, but you know, getting through it. I think I'm mostly caught up and things are back to normal, but it's been a, I don't know. It's interesting. Like the housing market seems kind of good right now. And our like real estate guy was like, you know, not having open houses is like been really good. Cause the only people who are looking for homes are actually interested. There's nobody just wandering around looking at houses like for fun and whatever. It's like just serious people. And then there's not a lot of houses on the market either. And then interest rates are super low, like under 3% now for a 30 year. So fingers crossed, we'll be able to get that house sold and be done with all that nonsense. It's just so much work. And I'm like, I just don't want to worry about it or have to deal with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I have a friend who's in the process of selling and moving. And then my sister's talking about that, like talking about the housing market and it put an itch in me. I was like, mm, maybe we should move. And then I was like, no, <laughs> that Dude. doesn't sound like what I want to do right now.
1: <laughs> so Yeah. it's I don't ever want to do it again, but we're at a place for... I don't know, a year or two and going to try and build a house, I think. But now we've got to go find a lot and a floor plan and design the house and all that stuff. But it should be really fun once we get into the like design portion of things. Cause you can't do any of that until you've got like a lot chosen. It's been fun to like see the software that our agents using. Cause he has like, well, you know, you, you have your typical MLS database stuff and the listings and all that and they're like search and got your your kind of like consumer focused like zillow stuff too but they were telling us like they if they get a lead from zillow or something they have 90 seconds to reply to that person otherwise it goes to the next like candidate or agent or something and i was like good lord thank god that's not my job like that's crazy but yeah, you know it's one of those times where you're like, hmm. I've never dealt with uh, real estate software much, and it needs so much work. It's it probably is a good market to go into if you know, if you're friends with realtors or something, would be a good uh, good place to go build some software. I think um, actually, some guys in town that I'm friends with built an app for like. Building managers to manage all their tenants for like a rental property. And they built it, and I don't think they'd even really launched it. And some big real estate company bought them before they'd even like gotten anywhere. But it was a cool, like, it was a Rails app. And then they had used Action Cable and stuff to build the mobile app with chat with your landlord. And, you know, they can send rental agreements and all that. And they were doing just really cool stuff with Rails which is really fun to see. But yeah, they they seem to have uh hit the right right little business there cuz getting acquired before you even really launch it to the public is that's what you want. <laughs> it's a dream, right? Yeah. You're like, Build it, "Okay. Nobody prototyped it. Now let's cash out." Yeah, here's the money.
0: <laughs> Random, but you said Action Cable. I was working on Action Cable this past weekend. I was because obviously I use stimulus reflex for everything now in my life. I was using it on hope grid and I didn't necessarily want it to like log. Like, you know, when you do a reflex, it logs all that HTML. But then I was like, Oh, action cable. Like I can't really control the logging at all. I can either turn it on or off. And that was kind of, I don't know. That's, I mean, it's fine. I just sent it to like a null. Like,
1: yeah. And that in a similar fashion, like early days of Hatchbox, I like streamed the logs across in real time. And Hatchbox crashed a few times because the Rails log file like filled up the disk because <laughs> the logs were just writing so much crap. So yeah, I've been there. And then you turn it off and then you're like, I don't even know who's connected or what the heck is happening anymore. And it does feel like something that would be nice to be able to to fine tune it or something, or even just like have, and maybe it does like the filter thing that the Rails locks do. And I know if it has that. Yeah. So it's, it, that's probably a good place for somebody to contribute to Rails core. Then I would imagine there were like pull requests open. I
0: think there's one open for the like logging filter stuff with Action Cable. But yeah, I mean, kudos. It's been out five, six years now. And,
1: has it really been that long? Oh my gosh. It was 2015
0: RailsConf in Atlanta when he
1: announced Action Cable. So Wow. That's crazy, dude. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. And I don't think people have like taken advantage of it enough. But it seems like cable ready and stimulus reflex are pretty pretty great for pushing, you know, more adoption of it. Like you were saying. You're like I'm going to start using stimulus reflex in just about every app. And I'm feeling the same way about like, mean, somebody on, on Twitter actually was talking about, you know, potentially an issue with cable ready and stimulus reflex is like a separation of concerns, or at least maybe more around cable ready, where now your server is pushing like UI changes or something. But like, to me, I don't know that I totally agree with that because like there's, Yes, there's maybe you're trying to achieve a separation of concerns between your front end and back end, but like as a feature, you know, if you're building Slack and a new message is created, you have to insert that message in the UI. So you either do that server side when the message is created, or you send some JSON to the client that does the exact same thing. So it's like coupled regardless because that's the feature. And, you know, I was like, I don't know that it's like, that big of a deal as long as you're consistent with your like selectors and naming of that stuff. That's probably the only thing. Like it can be, uh, you know, a bit more tiny bit more knowledge, I guess, on the server of like insert this into this partial or whatever, or div on the page. But no, for the most part, it seems not too big of a deal, especially when the point of it is kind of to allow a single developer to go build all this stuff on their own. Like it's so much more time to go separate all that out as a view or react front end that does all the rendering and has logical separated. So I was like, I kind of get it, but also like it's kind of the point. It simplifies things.
2: I think this is also because I've seen similar questions slash criticisms, slash just like general like wanting to know best practices. But I think this is a place where components can really shine. Like if you 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 can trigger like uh, components to render or whatever from like a job if you're specifically using cable ready. So I think that that's typically what I've reached for. I only have done really one feature that was using cable ready specifically, like only um at CodeFun. But yeah, I just told it to I just gave it like a component to render.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. There's just the like the knowledge that it can render that component but it still has to know where in the dom to like render or update or whatever so i think that was the the concern people kind of had now the server has to understand the dom that's available in the browser but like at the end of the day the server's rendering that dom anyways so like it does know about it so i yeah. don't know it it is a blending of things in a new way that you know if you're looking for just Total separation, then, yeah, but you're gonna have to build a single page app, which this is directly trying to challenge, so that's part of the part of the game here, but yeah, it's interesting. I still haven't played too much with components and view component quite yet, but that's on my to do list. I think it'll fit in really nicely because you know I was in my cable ready stuff, rendering like um just partials for the most part. You know, and that works well, but I feel like components really fit nicely for that logic, you know, because you might have extra extra logic around, you know, the the arguments that go into the partial or whatever. And those aren't very well defined, but with the component they're like nicely defined in, in your Ruby code. So I think those will help quite a bit. I've
0: been using I mean we use components at work, but I started using them also in Hope Grid. And I started doing field help with components too. And I don't I like testing isn't my first argument for like why I enjoy view component, but it is nice because I have been testing them just to like test little things. Like when I give you this, like I expect this little part to be like this. Like, and it's nice because I don't worry about it anymore. Like I don't necessarily want like with when I test React, like we take snapshots. And then when you change a class name, all the snapshots break and you have to update them. And like, I don't know, like I'm not really wanting to take a snapshot here. I just want to test that like this little bit of my component changed based on some value. And I do enjoy that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Where you're like, you know, like in an integration test, you don't want to like save the entire body and then make sure it matches every time. It's like way too brittle, which makes sense. Like you want... You want your test to like say, "Hey, this portion of the the page that's affected by this feature or whatever that needs to change, but I don't care about the rest of it, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense so Jason, you've been using stimulus reflex a lot. Have you dropped down into cable ready because I'm having the experience of like Using cable ready is far more effective than stimulus reflex for a lot of what I need to do. And I've, I've been curious because I haven't been building forms, which I think is like a great use case for stimulus reflex. But like the full page re render, if you're building Hatchbox or something and you need a, a status that updates when a background job kicks off and so on. Like you don't want to use stimulus reflex for that because it blows away everything. And so I've been dropping down into cable ready mostly for building things, but I was just curious your experience on that.
0: Yeah, we we looked at cable ready yesterday for updating like one little part of our form on the page, like a button that needs to be so it's It's very tricky. So we use bootstrap and bootstrap tooltips. When you have a disabled element, you have to wrap it in a span in order to get the tooltip because otherwise button has pointer events, none. So tooltips don't respond. So the way we have it set up is like, we just have conditional in the view. That's like, if it's valid, you know, show this button. If it's else show this button with a span that's disabled and so with, like, Reflex, we get that for free, right? Like, because it re-renders the page. But to skip around a lot of things, like, we're using a sticky save bar that we wrote ourselves. And so when Reflex re-renders the page, that bar flickers, uh, like, classes, because of the way we were using, like, Intersection Observer and JavaScript. So, like... It reconnects because we use also we use mutation observers. So like when Reflex re-renders that save bar, the mutation observer sees it and also then reruns the intersection observer. But the problem is it flickers a class. And so we we're like, well, what if we just like use cable ready instead of updating the whole save bar to all we really care about is that button changing. But we ended up down a rabbit hole that was like, eh, we'll just fix a flicker later. Like but I think that we've pushed Reflex pretty far, like for this page, in that we may need to look at doing more cable ready. Like we may need to halt on Reflex a little more to stop re-rendering. Like still use Reflex to fire off the events and stuff over WebSockets, but maybe not rely on it to re-render the whole page every time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about yeah. I guess if you're using Reflex without the re-render because at some point when I was fiddling with it, I had the same kind of situation and I was like, I wish I could just call a reflex without the re-render. But then I was like, that's just a regular action cable, you know, call. So I don't need a reflex for that, I guess. So yeah, I can see that. Is your sticky header thing like a data permanent thing or is that being re-rendered? So if it's data permanent...
0: If we use data reflex permanent, then the thing we run into is it doesn't re render the button, right? Because the button's
1: inside the bar. Right. Then you would have to do an alternative like broadcast to right. eh, enable or disable that button.
0: Right. And so we ran into an issue though that was unrelated, probably. To, it was unrelated to reflex, but like our tools stopped working when that happened. And we were like, we've gone down this rabbit hole too far. Like we need to back up. Yeah. Um, but the other th- like the other alternative is like we could use the reflex root stuff so we could scope what parts of the page change. oh right, but this is a very interactive page with a lot of form like elements that all are technically running through the same like reflex like eighty percent of the page runs through like an update reflex, which actually does like the auto saving and stuff, and so it's it's a lot of. I don't know. It may be what we have to do, but it's also a lot of, we'd have to figure out what parts of the page should update when you update, like, a field, right? Like, because it is possible that, like, say a field has a validation. So we take that field out. Well, we want it to re-render because we want the Rails validation that tells us, like, there's an error here on this field. But also we need to update that button at the bottom because we need to disable it to not let you save. So I don't know. It's, It's that's why i think we're starting to really push for us like
2: conceptually how we're doing it and yeah we'll see we'll see where we end up i'm trying to find the documentation because we had like a similar thing and there's a way i'm pretty sure that you can basically call your nav bar permanent except for that item that you that really? is changeable i think i'm trying hmm. to find it because i'm pretty sure we did that that would solve a few other problems we have around that too.
0: Another thing that's actually a thing I want to bring up that like we had talked about talking about offline Andrew is using it with tricks because I'm ha I feel like I'm having to really
2: like break rules to get it to work with tricks. Uh, What What do you mean work with tricks? Like what doesn't work in tricks? So, if I want to do an autosave
0: from a like from tricks, so I do like tricks change event and then have it submit, it re renders and then moves my cursor back to the beginning.
2: Ah, the cursor
0: thing. So, what I did
1: is that like tearing down tricks and then re
2: rendering it, and that's why it resets. Yeah. Mm. Yeah the cursor thing is something that we've like run into around certain areas because there was at one point and it, we couldn't do it on all apps. It was weird. Like we couldn't understand like what specifically was causing this issue, but like you would, if you were typing into a form that would like auto save, then it would like take your focus away from the field sometimes in some apps, but not in like a brand new app. So yeah, it, Nate and I've gone down several rabbit holes with like cursor positioning, and I'm pretty sure, like, like in my mind, like the autosave I, I think you could. I would put like the cursor always at the end of the line. I guess I think you could do that.
0: What I did was when it auto saves the body and tricks, I don't need it to re render the rest of the page. So I made a div with an attribute called dumpster, and it an empty div. And when you change the field, it has a reflex route, so it only scopes changes to that div called dumpster because it has no value, and that keeps it from re-rendering tricks like trying to replace the editor, which keeps all the functionality right where you were. Not ideal.
2: Yeah, I think. I guess in this instance, I don't. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like this would be something you could do with Cable Ready. I don't know. I'd have to look, but because I don't, if you don't want to re-render the page when with autosaving, then you don't really need to be using stimulus reflex. Like, because what is it like a a debouncer? Like after they put a certain amount of characters in, like then you autosave. Like how often? It's every time they stop typing after like a half
1: a second. Hmm. Yeah, because you just need to submit to the server and then like. Yeah you want like a saving or saved message to show up. You don't really care if the page
0: re-renders. So we, that's interesting. We could actually just make another action from reflex that halts so that it won't re-render. That would actually, because I think the way, well, an after reflex callback run in JavaScript if I halt?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I think Nate and I were just talking about this. And if you halt, I, I remember I was talking about the implementation. I don't remember exactly where he where, where settled. So I went to look at the docs or the, the code. But I remember personally saying that if you halt, that's kind of like a return in my head. So like calling a halt should just stop everything from that point on. So, I think I argue that there shouldn't be an after reflex because technically, like when you halt, then it just stops. Like, why? I don't know. I, I have to, like, once have again, a, I have to look at the code.
1: But should you have like a JavaScript event for a halted reflex?
2: Yeah.
1: You know? Because that, yeah, that seems like a missing piece of the JavaScript events, you know, because you always get like an Ajax uh, complete success on error, that sort of thing. So you like can handle every situation. So having a halted event lets you, you know, if, if you have a reflex that needs to actually like render an error or something, if it gets halted, then you can capture that and do something with it. Or in this case, you know, uh, that would save or allow you to just do stuff with that. Seems like it would be a good addition to it if it's not already in there.
2: Yeah. So I'm looking at the docs and it says specifically around halt, you can halt a reflex, prevent it from executing by doing blah, blah, blah. This callback fires before the code in your reflex action method is called, making it a logical place to implement authorization logic for destructive state mut- mutations, AKA database updates. And it says halted. Reflex cancelled with throw abort in the before Reflex callback and it's listed under the client-side Reflex callback. So it appears it might it may be a client-side event so that if you halt on the server you would get the halt in the client side. That would solve our problem because we could remove that root. We
0: could just have this, since I already have to call this.stimulate because I'm using Lodash to bounce until it functionality gets brought into Reflex. Then what I can do is that specific, I can just have that fire to a specific method for updating the body, halt, stop the re-render, and then the callback. So the reason I need the callback is because I still want to update. We have a little saved, like last saved at in our status bar. I could still update that if it was halted.
1: Yeah, that seems like it would solve your problem and do it while still you wouldn't have to rewrite anything and just stick with stimulus reflex. And yeah, that seems like it would work pretty
0: well. JavaScript callbacks. So like I know like you're using cable ready quite a bit, Chris, and like cable ready is like a really foundational piece, and a really cool piece of reflex. For me, one of the really cool pieces and the foundational pieces is the JavaScript callbacks. Like because like there's certain Things Like if I, for example, on our page, like you can click between a list and every time you click, it changes an instance variable. So it has to re-render on the page. So like Mm -hmm. instead of loading all four things I want to display and then hiding them based off like a, a sidebar list, basically the way I do it is I just load the active one. When I click it, it reloads with the next one. But the problem is, like, that's still a server call. So when I click the button, it doesn't immediately, like, set the the menu bar to active for the next one. So, like, those callbacks are nice because I can be, like, before action, all right, well, let's go ahead and set the one I clicked to active, remove the other one's active, and then we have, like, a little pulsing animation that just disables the body while it's changing. And it's just good enough that when you click, it feels right. Like, it feels instant, but it's still doing the server. And that's all callbacks and re-rendering, and I love it. It makes me so happy.
1: Yeah, it's like I forget what they call that, but like the optimistic or whatever change, like you know, you're before it's actually persisted server side, you like make it look like it was real and on the client. Yes. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense because you you still have to deal with the rendering time and the round trip and everything with all the HTML. So it is more, you know, more than just a update on the client side. But I imagine your JavaScript portion of things is, you know, a fraction of the size of what it would be in React or whatever.
0: It's so if anyone from work is listening to this, I haven't told anybody this, but I started like just for fun, not even like for work, rewriting our messaging. In Reflex, just to see the difference, because we wrote it in React, and like I got very far in a couple of hours one night, not complete or like a thing I want to ship or that anybody wants me to ship it, but it was just like so much less code because what I I still have to have logic somewhere, right? For a lot of this stuff, the problem is the logic lives on the server and then has to go to the client, which also has to know how to deal with the logic generated from the server, and so I. Like, for this page that we're working on, not messaging, like for this page we're working on, I may have said this before, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but it really is when they talk about JavaScript sprinkles with stimulus, like I finally feel like I'm just writing sprinkles of JavaScript because I'm my callbacks are one or two lines of code to maybe change a class or like change an element on the page, but not call 50 other methods that, do all these other things to change the state on the page.
1: Yeah, that reminded me. DHH tweeted recently that, like, they don't even really use stimulus for much at all anymore in Hay, which I thought was interesting because it is cool to see. It's, I guess, maybe the Rails UGS like philosophy in a way where it's like you can add these attributes and you don't have to write JavaScript event listeners and. Any of that. But when you need to, you've got stimulus. But you know, so much of this can be done now with zero like custom JavaScript, which is pretty awesome. And when you said when you are talking about less code, Andrew noticed <laughs> the other day yesterday or the day before, um, that the Tailwind CSS stimulus components library that I wrote, I had copied like the webpack config from like stimulus flat picker or something. They just like yanked that from Adrian Polly's repo and dropped it in mine when I wrote it originally. And it looks like it was compiling with Webpack in development mode. And that's what I was shipping to NPM. So like changing that from development to production went from 200 kilobytes to 40. And that's (laughs) like still giant because it's like, you know, very small four or five stimulus controllers. And that's it. And they you know require stimulus, but yeah, I think we have some more work to do because as Andrew was saying, he got it down like another ten x down to like four kilobytes or something, so yeah, I was like wow that's that's embarrassing, like two hundred kb for
2: that library is huge yeah, but it doesn't i mean the I guess it's worth mentioning the re- reason it was two hundred kilobytes is because it was literally when you the NPM package you were shipping was literally the entire repo, basically. So, like the the example app and all the, you know, it wasn't just shipping like the code. And it's not that big of a deal in a Rails app because Rails is going to like automatically clean that up for you. So, even though you're shipping that much to like the app, the app, like when Webpacker compiles assets, it's going to like minify and ship all that out. And have it just be like what you need. But yeah, I pulled it into a Bridgetown site and I was like, holy crap. I was like, that's way too big. I, so I think I literally just copied, like, I realized I was only using one of the things and I was like, I'm just going to copy this controller into my app. And then I realized I could just write in shop, like playing ES6 in like a few lines and I just did that instead. So but yeah, I I was, I need to like, I have a lot going on, but I need to I need to finish that PR because yeah, I, I looked at that number it gave me back and I was like, wait, four? <laughs> yeah. I I like that's one of the things that I haven't
1: spent any time in, like the JavaScript build tools or any of that. Like I've just stuck to whatever Webpacker does by default for the most part. And so Beautiful. I've got a lot to learn with all that.
0: so that's actually Along those lines, that's what prompted me to think to, like, take some time and just see what our messaging would be like in Reflex. Once again, nobody knows I'm doing this. They probably would be like, this is stupid. Don't ship this. But, like, Dependabot rolled in was like, these six React dependencies changed. And, like, a couple of them were major versions. And I'm like, I don't know how to test all this. Like, I can open the app and, like, click around, But it made me start thinking. I mean, I guess that way with any dependency, really, but they were just like, if this one dependency breaks, like half of messaging is going to break.
2: Yeah. It's, there's a, you need a lot of packages to do things, I guess. I mean, I guess you don't have to, but I think the way most people are developing React apps and things like that, they're, they're pulling in just like a ton of packages and then, you know, Dependabot is just freaking working its butt off like every day trying to like update everything and it's just like this is crazy especially if you can't if you don't have a great way to test it then you know you kind of just have to hope that these people are shipping like the correct correct like semver and hope that they're like documenting in the changelog and hope that it's not gonna have conflicts with other packages and it's we painful have,
0: we have Jest test like the test React stuff but i'm not guaranteed that it won't break some functionality. Like, one of them is a scroll listener, like, specific to React. Like, I can't easily test that without firing up everything and making sure it works.
1: Speaking of the scroll stuff, that is one of the things that I think gets to the edge of trickiness with stimulus reflex. Like, for a chat, you can render the last 100 messages or something and then re-render the next hundred and and so on. But like, what if you want to scroll back in the history, how do you keep track of that and like render it? That's a good, so
0: I haven't gotten to that part of the messaging yet, Um, but I started thinking about that. Given our conversation today, every time you load more messages, well, no, that wouldn't work. I mean, you could cable ready it obviously and like always insert above. Right. But you got to like keep your place in the chat, right? Like if you scroll to the top, and it loads the next hundred, it shouldn't bounce you to the top of the div, right? It should keep your place in -hmm. that scroll. We have that problem with React, too.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because, yeah, this is where it gets tricky, and I feel like, for me, stimulus reflex breaks down a bit, because then I don't know how to solve some of those problems, but I know how to solve them if I'm like, we'll insert the message at the bottom. Because... You know, like if you want to scroll up, we still want to have new messages inserted at the bottom. So then we have to tell Stimulus Reflex to load a larger chunk of history when it re renders, you know? And then, like, it just seems like it gets into trickier and trickier territory all the time. Cause if you're doing a re render, you're doing a re render, but you don't really want it to feel like that in the browser. And, I'm not quite sure how you keep track of some of that state. You could probably push those things into the URL, I guess. And then and then the server side knows, like load the history from uh, X timestamp or ID until the next one and like use that as kind of pagination. But yeah, it seems interesting. You know, like you don't want to limit it to 100 messages, and then when you scroll up, it removes the next 100. So you're looking at like the previous page. You still want to kind of see 200 messages then, or whatever. And I feel like that's where I struggle to dive into stimulus reflex a little bit deeper because of like, I don't know how to tackle some of those quite as easily. But I know like if I made a you know, request to insert that with cable ready, that's
2: not a big deal. I did want to mention we have this thing in our code base called Turbolinks persist scroll that basically like it adds like an event listener on a Turbolinks before does it, it and then on a Turbolinks load and then it will like I don't know basically persist your scroll session when the page reloads so that may be helpful for you Jason for the whole scrolling thing cool. does that
1: store the main
2: browser scroll
1: position because I'm thinking, like, Slack would have the sidebar of all of your chats, which might be in a certain scroll position, but then your main window might be all the messages in the current one. I wonder if that, you know, is that going to reset the sidebar
2: if the main scroll is the the chat room? You'd probably be able to modify. Like, I'll put I'll link you the script. You could probably modify the script to like. Like look yeah. for only in the chat and only persist the scroll there, yeah, to kind of like okay, we want to specifically preserve this other
1: scroll aside from the main window one, yeah, and then you just have to be explicit about those or like you know add a like a class or you know a stimulus thing or something to like apply it to all of those. that makes sense,
0: while we're talking reflex, we shipped out through Podia, a stimulus reflex testing library called Stimulus Reflex Testing. It's, uh, yeah, I I couldn't find any, like, test helpers or, like, any kind of testing story for Reflex right now. What's a test? Do what? I said, what's a test? Yeah, that's the vibe I got. What I did, though, is (laughs) selfishly we so we use rspec at work but i use minitest on some of my side projects so what i did was i couldn't like justify working on the minitest one during work hour but i did work on it in such a way that it's not it's only rspec helpers right now but it's no rspec specific code for the actual like implementation so what it does is the only thing that is specific is i have to I'll get to that in a second. So uh, it, it essentially like gives you a method called build reflex. And what that'll do is with RSpec, use the described class, call new on it, and pass in like the action cable channel, connection, URL, all that kind of stuff. And then let you run essentially unit tests right now. So you can be like reflex.run and give it a method name. And then you can run like assertions against it. But I tried to do it in such a way that you could also like, I'd like to get it to where like you could kind of integration test it too. So you could be like, when I call this reflex method, I expect it to respond with this HTML, right? And then do assertions against that. So yeah, this, my CTO, Jamie, my coworker Basil and I paired on it and they had some really good ideas for that kind of stuff. So uh, I shipped it. We're using it right now. I'd like to improve on it, but yeah there's no like there's no mocks or doubles or any like r spec specific like stubbing library stuff so all we have to do is just get it it's actually i named it it's actually i think inheriting from active support test case too so like it shouldn't be that much work for us to turn it into something that many tests can inherit from as well
2: uh i f- when you're talking about like expecting you know. The reflex return to be whatever. I feel like that might be a good use case for the render inline method that a view component uses. I don't know. I assume that's like in like view component specific test helper, but that might be something you could yank to help with that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I also so I it requires the action cable testing library, which if you use Rails six or RSpec four is included in the framework, but we. Around on 5.2 and like RSpec 3.9. But the reason I use that is, A, because they have a stub connection method. So I just use that to stub the action cable connection and pass it to like a test channel I made. But what I'd also like to do is to like, if you want to test that it broadcasts to the right channel or something like that, you could do that as well. uh, But that library is also what I used I looked at the source code for it because they made it in such a way that it's usable for both RSpec and Minitest. So a lot of my design came out of just copying their patterns.
1: That would be really cool to see, like the generic version and then how it... Because most of that will be detect if RSpec's installed and then like add your module or whatever with their helper methods or something.
0: Yeah, all you have to do is for RSpec and your Rails helper require stimulus reflex testing slash RSpec. And it is a config file that will hook into RSpec and load. And it, it, I set it up to where it'll load it for RSpec tests that have type reflex. So it's not loaded into every test. It's only when... Nice. that would be the good. Problem, the problem I have is that... And I, I'm sure like this could be a thing that maybe could even change in reflex. So reflex creates a request, like a dummy request in order for it to like re-render and things like that. And so it takes it, it takes the action cable connection environment and merges that into like an action dispatch request. And this all happens in one method, but the problem is in testing that that request then tries to say request.session.load bang but in testing that's only a hash and there's no way to like pass it through like because it says action dispatch request new in reflex right like so what i had to do for the RSpec one is don't judge me allow any instance of action dispatch request to receive session and return a double that can respond to load I even have it set up. I haven't pushed this yet where like you can pass your own session like data in and it'll use that when you say like reflex dot session. But for this actual call to load the session, I can't get in there and like dummy it out. And so it's been a pain for me. And I don't know, like I don't necessarily want to ask stimulus reflex to change functionality so that it's easier to test. But like, even if I could just somehow pass this session in, like that's all I need to do. Right. Like, well, actually, so the thing I need to do is if I could never mind. I'm just speaking words now. I'm thinking out loud. Anyway, there's just these little things I'm trying to work out. Cause I, what I would like is I'd like somebody to use this library and be like, when I say build reflex, I can do all the things that I expect to do with a reflex. Like I have a I have an element, you can set element.data.value things like that, like you can set up the reflex to test it. I just want it to not be a monster under the hood.
1: Have you started the conversation about this being in stimulus reflexes repo? No, I didn't so even I tell like, Nate I was working on it. Yeah. I feel like it is something that should be built into the gem almost, you know? And then I was thinking too, like cable ready needs the exact same kind of thing. It's probably way simpler because it's like testing action cable stuff almost directly. But yeah, it seems like something that like, I don't think it's unreasonable to change one of those little internal things to make testing easier. And maybe like the... Maybe the gem is still separate for the testing helpers for now, or maybe forever, but like having the change in the main library to enable that and make that more flexible, I think it's good, so it seems like one that would be welcome, even if it's like a you know it's not going to affect the library itself, and it will be a small change out, I assume. I think I just may
0: have figured out a way to do it without having to change the library. Cause so I was trying to also don't judge me. I was trying to monkey patch action dispatch requests session method for test. But the problem is it does it like the monkey patch works, but it also applies it to the rest of all my other tests. So anywhere we use session and like controller tests or anything's like Angry, but I could just maybe hook in to do that monkey patch before each reflex test, right? Like,
1: yeah, it would probably work if you needed to. I don't know.
0: It's interesting. It's an interesting, like, I know somebody has solved this problem. I just can't find where, like, someone has done something with a session in a test before where, like, I can't be the first person that's had this problem, but I can't find it. I've like dug through Rails source code.
1: Yeah, Yeah, every time I sit down to write tests for like session related things, like I'll Google it. And then, you know, 99% of the Stack Overflow things are like RSpec examples that I'm like, not gonna, I'm not using that. So this isn't gonna be useful. And then you just sit there sifting through search results for hours trying to find some example that works. It's kind of a pain.
2: Yeah, I guess it's. The reason there is no like amazing in testing support in Reflex is number one, we don't write tests around it personally at codefund several features from Reflex have been well Nate abstracted the original library from another app, but then several features have been extracted from Codefund, like the custom events because Nate and I got tired of having to deal with that, so we just put it we upstream that what we were doing, but we don't really write tests around it. And I guess if we were, I would be reaching for integration specs slash system test or whatever. And we just, I don't know, our code is so simple in the actual reflexes that we haven't needed to test it. But I don't know. Are you, I was curious why you're saying that, you know, in your environment config for your given environment, like development or test, it, that's like typically where people are setting up their Session stores and whatever is your like test RB like configured correctly to do that, like in our like test environment, like test RB, yeah, under config,
1: yeah. Because d-
2: I'm assuming in your like production and development, you're doing you're setting up the cache store, or the session store somehow. We use so we just that, use the cookie store, right? So if that's not set up in testing, then that may. Help get you somewhere. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I'll try that. As long as that doesn't break our other tests, it's like I'd rather do workarounds to not break the other six thousand tests than right. Yeah, this perfect thing for this one.
2: Yeah, there was something after I think after each test in CodeFun, we do a we call like Rails dot local ephemeral cache dot clear on like the teardowns. So if you do have issues like that, that may help. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting.
0: I wanted to open source it quickly so that other people could make it better, because I hope that other people will reach for it when they're testing Reflex and be like, "Oh, I wish I had
2: this," or "Oh man, this could be done better." Stuff like that. Yep. Yeah i I definitely see like a world where this gets upstreamed into the main like project, and then if not and if it if you guys wanted to keep it separate then definitely linking to it in the docs or something.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to stay separate. I just kinda didn't wanna put that big of a conversation on reflex right now. Like, hey we need we need testing and everyone talk about it. And yeah, it just it seemed easier because we had a need for it right now. Like I had a PR that needed to go out today. So We just took what we did and put it out. And if people want to merge it in, I don't think there's any problem with that. But,
1: yep. Nice. Cool. Well, anything else you guys want to chat about before we head off?
2: Have y'all enabled the new design on GitHub yet?
1: No, I haven't. How do you do that?
2: If you click on your user avatar and then it should say, like, features or something or, like, feature preview. And then you oh. can click on that and then it should say design updates and you can enable it. Mm, I do not have that feature available. Ouch. <laughs> and then
1: yeah, nope, nothing looks like I'm pretty it sure is not.
2: there's somewhere where I don't know, no I, features I, available. So There's definitely somewhere in on GitHub where you can say that you want to like preview new features or have them like offered to you. So I I'm assuming that you haven't enabled that and I have no idea where that is, so
1: I I think I did wherever that was, but they also do and have done for super long time like a percentage rollout of new features and stuff. So I might just not be in that in that group or whatever. But I got a pretty OG GitHub account. I forget what my user ID number is. <laughs> Well, anything else, Jason? No, I feel like I talked
0: too much today, so I'm gonna go not talk for the rest of the day. Cool. All right. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Bye. See you guys. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode, with eleven data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia. Enterprise grade hardware, S3 compatible storage option. In their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com forward slash remote Ruby.